0: The Guardian.
1: You're listening to The Guardian Focus podcast. This week, Elizabeth Kinder explores how the government's austerity measures are having a particular impact on sufferers of MS, multiple sclerosis.
2: Three years ago, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. And I have to say, when I found out, I was hugely relieved because I thought, oh, thank God, I don't have cancer. I was convinced that I had cancer. And when the consultant said, no, Elizabeth, no, it's ms you've got ms i think you've got relapsing remitting ms i really wouldn't have been quite so delighted if i'd known what i know now when i was diagnosed in this podcast i want to find out why ms sufferers are under particular pressure as the cuts start to bite in britain My friend Al Fraser was diagnosed with MS when he was 35. He's been living with it now for 16 years.
3: I was uh, working in advertising, my third child had just arrived. So literally she was born in June and I was uh, diagnosed in December. So I must admit, you can imagine my wife felt that pretty uh, knocked by that. but. Uh, in a typical kind of male way, I sort of said, don't worry, I'll be all right. Uh, and of course, the more I read about MS, I realized, not really true. So I I tried to put a brave face and c- keep going, and I kept going for quite a few years. But um, uh, MS has taken me to where I am today, which is in a wheelchair, unable to move my legs or my arms. And it's now well, it's very much affected my eyes, so I can't read, and I can't really see the TV. So I've become a fantastic radio man.
2: Yeah, and has it affected your speech?
3: It has, uh, but it's affected my um, uh, my breath, so I get a bit um, short of breath. So when I'm trying to um, make a point to to anyone, particularly my kids. Yeah, so it's difficult for me to speak um, strongly. It's a kind of weird thing whereby people respond well to strong voices. And uh, my one is gradually awakening more and more.
2: You know, you've got this thing on your arm. You didn't have yeah. that before. Yeah. No. Can I just describe it? It's a blue sort of padded strap.
3: It's a And splint. your arms are clutched to your yeah. chest. It's a splint and uh, because what happens with MS is that in effect all your muscles shorten so that um, what it actually does MS is it takes you back to um, an infant or a baby again. So when you're a baby you're all kind of curled up and every uh, muscle uh, is quite short. So basically, MS is the reverse, it um, starts shrinking all the muscles, so this strange blue contraption is the splint which stops my right arm from shortening, Uh, not that I need my right arm for anything in particular, but the shorter it gets, the more uh, painful it gets.
2: So Al, when you were first diagnosed you probably didn't know much about MS did you? And then you were having to discover about it. Yes. And so what happened? How did that affect your working life?
3: Well it um, gradually I I began to discover I was just getting more and more tired Mm -hmm. and my eyesight was getting worse so much so that I was presenting a new uh, ad to these clients and they were all looking um, pleased but confused, and then our colleague said, whispered quietly, "You've got it upside down." <laughs> so, uh, oh, no. yes, absolute. Which was very amusing, but um, you said it works both ways. <laughs> <laughs> that must have
2: been a nightmare, Al. Working and a stressful job. With three and, and having three young kids, what were they all under five or something yeah,
3: at that point? Were, yeah, uh, yes, well, I'd, I kept going for as long as I could, and in the end, uh, my company, which was fantastic, they still pay me uh, under their scheme, so at least I have some income coming in, which is great. But I mean, I couldn't survive on just that uh, because of the level of care I now need with not being able to see or move or whatever. Uh, it's it's incredibly important that I get the, the support and help from local council and the ILF, which allows me to be, as the it says, independent living fund, but they're now close to all new people. So I don't know if that means you just can't afford to get ill from now on part of the wonderful government cuts
2: so the independent living fund is that from the council is that a, can- a local authority no
3: it's the government thing well they've closed it for new people Okay. so it's like just don't get ill
2: so what's that allowed you to do
3: with the uh, local government contribution it helps pay for my care because I'm, I'm more or less I need 24 hour care it does help me have carers who Take the strain uh, away from my wife,
2: yeah, I was going to say that must be a huge impact on the nature of your relationship and, yeah. I mean because when i when I was diagnosed i I was really upset because I thought well, i don 't want my husband to become my carer no
3: absolutely i mean the the thing is someone like you and maybe uh, like me, we are uh, i don't know proud, independent sort of people who want to manage our affairs and uh uh, so uh, you know the the less i can involve my wife the better because then it makes me feel better about myself and it just gives her a bit of space and boy you know she needs some space the
2: coalition government are attempting to balance the books over the course of one parliament so they've decimated university research budgets and there are fears that nhs trials will go the same way there's currently no cure for ms so clinical trials are the main cause for hope I was really lucky because I got onto a trial fairly early on for fingolimod, which they think reduces the rate of relapse, and the consultant neurologist leading the trial is Dr Richard Nicholas, and uh, I'm off to see him now at London's Charing Cross Hospital.
1: MS is essentially an inflammation in the nervous system due to your own immune system attacking the nervous system, and it was originally described in the 1800s, and it was noted that people's Brains who had MS had multiple scars. That's where it arises from. And over time, we've worked out that the immune system gets upset with the nervous system and for some reason, it attacks that nervous system. Partly that's due to a genetic component. It's not a genetic condition, but there's a component that makes your system more susceptible. And then there's an environmental factor which we don't know what that is, that seems to set that off in people. So currently we're seeing people who were born in the UK or British Asians who are having quite a high frequency of MS, whereas their families who are born in South Asia have never experienced it. So the, the genetic component is encountering an environmental factor. MS is a condition that has been revolutionised by using trials properly in the recent years. The the problem with MS is the variability both in the outcome for each person and day-to-day and therefore knowing what really helps people is quite difficult and what we describe as the placebo effect, which is when you have no treatment, is about 50% in trials of MS. That means a real treatment to have a real effect should be at least more than 50%. So we see a lot of information about people doing very well that's available anecdotally, but we just don't know if it really is effective. And one of the key things that trials gives us is we are able to actually tell people it does work. Tysabri came from trials, and that treatment we are seeing is making a significant difference to people's lives. It's keeping them in work.
2: I know there are going to be cuts and changes to the um, NHS, so how does that impact... On the availability of trials and new trials possibly not coming to fruition?
1: I mean, the, the cuts and the changes in the NHS that are occurring are going to have a significant impact on how the NHS works. Whether it will impact on the treatments we give is a question we don't know the answer to and is a concern to us. For trials, they're generally run on a global basis, and if it's more complex for People to put those trials in one country they just don't do them in that country and so we lose out in terms of getting people we have with MS on the newest treatments earlier on and learning ourselves and being part of that global process so trials are really a global phenomena and um, realistically drug companies utilize um, areas with different different health systems and different a- access to care points to give to put these trials in place and uh, the UK is more of a difficult area as is Europe, more complex but it's very important to them and that will impact on how many trials are taking place in this country and has impacted on that.
2: Am I right in thinking that the cuts uh, may compromise research in this country? I think that's
1: a, a real risk in that research for an NHS trust is seen as an extra and if one has to bear cut things to the bone, anything like that will suffer. And then the UK has always been full of ideas and has been a leader in research, batting higher than it should be, really. But that means that if people can't innovate and they have no way of delivering that, then trials will move elsewhere.
2: But it's not just the cuts in the um, NHS, it's it's the university... funding. I think the
1: university uh, cutting funds has had a a major impact a a lot of what we do in the NHS we consider ourselves just part of a process so we do trials we do commercial trials which is such as fingolimod, but we do academic trials and we patients give samples to that work and we collaborate with teams so that we can take forward the science behind the drugs and That has been significantly damaged by the cuts in the university system already and the concern is that could get even more of a problem. It's becoming more and more difficult for young researchers with good ideas to get out there and get access to the information to try and take their ideas forward.
2: In the course of my research into MS, fairly early on, I discovered the MS Society. I'm always slightly overwhelmed by all these people working there to help people like me.
4: Anyway, I'm off there now to see the Director of Policy and Research, Jane Spink. There are certainly concerns that there are changes to the NHS, there there are changes happening in terms of the benefits system and also uh, new financial constraints on local authorities. Uh, And so I think these will will be very tough times for people affected by long-term conditions, certainly.
2: With the changes to the NHS, what are the impacts going to be on funding for research to take place?
4: Over the last five to six years, there have been increasing bureaucratic and regulatory hurdles in the NHS to the conduct of clinical trials. There are concerns that with financial constraints and research not being at the top of list of priorities for NHS managers that, that might jeopardise the conduct of, of trials in the NHS.
2: The nature of MS is a very f- sort of fluctuating. You know, one day you can be you know, up and running around and the next day bedridden. So how does this impact on people who are on benefits?
4: We know that three out of five people with MS rely on the current disability living allowance to manage um, the symptoms of and the impacts of living with the condition because costs can be substantially higher around for example personal care, um, grooming, um, ready meals for example for somebody who isn't able to prepare their own meals uh, or also the mobility component of the Disability Living Allowance is crucial to people in terms of their independence and their ability to get out and about. Now this benefit is going to be replaced by personal independence payments for all working age claimants for, from 2013. And we have concerns that the new face-to-face point-based assessments will discriminate unfairly against people with MS because of its fluctuating nature. And also that because there's a need for face-to-face periodic reviews, that this can potentially be a waste of money for a condition which is degenerative and it can also cause undue stress for people living with the condition.
2: And it isn't just changes to the um, benefit system that are going to impact on people with MS, it's the change to the the structures within the NHS that's going to have an impact on access to treatment, I think.
4: We're on the brink of the m- largest and most fundamental changes to the NHS in a generation and that's going to impact on the way that services are commissioned and delivered. We already know that people with MS have a much, um, much tougher time getting access to drugs in the UK than most other countries in Europe. We're fifth from the bottom of the prescribing league in Europe and there are concerns that with some elements of commissioning residing with the NHS board, some with the GP consortia and some with the local authorities, that there will be problems in terms of accessing the right care and treatments for individuals with this very individual condition.
0: Hi, I'm Caroline Darcy and I'm an MS nurse at Charing Cross Hospital. MS fatigue is so completely different to the kind of fatigue that I will feel at the end of a busy working week or or after a, a couple of good parties. I can I can get myself back on track just by having a good night's sleep, maybe a, a day putting my feet up and reading a good book. MS fatigue is overwhelming, can come at any time and is completely untreatable in terms of just a rest. People with MS fatigue will go to have an early night and they'll have a good night's sleep and they'll wake up and they'll be just as fatigued in the morning as they were when they went to sleep and this is very poorly understood and can be very difficult for family and friends to deal with. Out of all the people that you see,
2: how many are in full-time employment and what implications, what impact
0: does this have, uh, MS have, on their um, working life? The majority, when we consider that people are diagnosed with MS between the ages of 20 and 40 with the mean age being 30, the majority of people are still in full-time employment when they, by the time they come to see me. And it is really difficult for full-time employment to, to manage the fatigue and to continue to engage in a social life and a family life without the fatigue being so overwhelming that something has to give eventually. It is difficult to see beyond the diagnosis at the beginning. I do understand that people have a lot of trouble kind of getting used to that. I think for family and friends, it's equally as difficult. There is a kind of bereavement that goes on with MS on the diagnosis because you you, you have plans and you have plans for the future and it seems as if those plans have just been completely wiped away that your life expectancy, your, your goals have all been wiped away so what I try and do is give people education according to their needs and according to how much I feel that they can take in but it is a process like growing up and that you can only take in as much knowledge as and when you're ready for it
3: When I was first diagnosed I was able to run a bit and then I began to get what they call food drop, whereby you would be walking, and then you'd suddenly... What if your feet would just drop? You'd end up tripping over and uh, feeling very, very um, stupid, like an old drunk. And I guess that's when the Scotsman comes in. Oh, there's a man falling over. Oh, he's Scottish. Right, OK. And uh, then my my walking got caught very, very slow. And then it got to the point where I couldn't really... Walk any distance so that everything just slipped away that must
2: have been so grim Al
3: it it was but it, you just think right okay I'm like this I'm so tired so exhausted so so struggling to walk you know if I can sit in a seat and I can push myself around or I can be pushed around then I will do that and you just have to Solo hard and accepted.
2: We were going to come and see you, hopefully, on on Monday, but your taxi thing, what was that about?
3: Yeah, that's the taxi card. For someone like me, who's in a wheelchair, I'd be able to get taxis. is fantastic, but taxis are very expensive. But this system called taxi card does reduce the cost because it pays um, the first £10 or whatever. Now, if is that I
2: the local authority
3: funded yeah, absolutely, okay. but I will be unable to do that from uh, yesterday. So it means that I will have to pay the whole of myself, and frankly, I can't afford that.
2: So does that mean that you'll no longer be able to go to physio?
3: Uh, well, I'm, yeah, won't be able to afford to go to physio.
2: And so, if you can't go to physio, Al, what does that mean for you?
3: Well, Physi- physically, I'll be. Mean, all my muscles are getting shorter and the shorter they get the more painful they get right. so physio is absolutely well it's essential otherwise I'll end up in a lot of discomfort and probably pain
2: the symptoms of MS can be exacerbated by stress, and so if your support systems are being removed, you're creating a vicious cycle of disease and requirement and then increasing the need for help. Here's Alf Fraser again.
3: I mean, it's almost like a kind of Nazi regime whereby, you yeah, know, let's get rid of our sick and our unwell, put them in the corner and tell them to shut up. I really, really hope that uh, this government, being a civilised country, will always ensure that the weakest are properly supported, because that must be the future of a civilised country.